Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, I have multiple guests, and we're here to talk about the uh, Advocacy Academy, the Advocacy Workshop, the first annual that just happened. Joining me on the program today is Dr. Serena Chen. Hello, Dr. Chen. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Natalie Crawford. Hello. And the one, the only returning guest, all-star champion, Sean Tipton from the uh, Washington, D.C. office. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having us. So let's just jump right into it. Let's talk a little bit about, I just wanted to ask you all about the advocacy workshop that occurred here at ASRM 2023 in New Orleans. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. We were so excited. So this was the first annual workshop where Doctors for Fertility and ASRM came together to really make advocacy a focus of this meeting. And our goal with the workshop was to help it be more accessible, meaning becoming an advocate doesn't have to be a scary thing, a hard thing. It is both important and essential in this field. And we had real life examples from some amazing advocates in our field We had physician examples, so we had Dr. Jenny Ryan, Dr. Paula Amato, and Dr. Stephanie Gustin, who all have been fantastic advocates across different spectrums. So one thing that's so important to realize is that in reproductive health, there's so many different aspects of our field that truly do need our support and our advocacy, whether it is reproductive rights, LGBT rights, whether it's healthcare and getting fertility coverage when it comes to insurance. And we really covered the spectrum of all of these, encouraging physicians and people who are in healthcare and industry or committed to this field, really trying to leverage, getting them inspired to get involved. And we had some fantastic ASRM experts. We had Sean Tipton, Jesse Loach, and Sarah Bogdan, who all are working with ASRM's and advocacy world. And really trying to let people know that they exist and that they're here to help us so that you don't have to start from scratch or reinvent the wheel. That if you're passionate and want to get involved to help advance our field, you can do that. So I I do think it would be helpful for us and Serena Chen here, but I, I think it would really be helpful to hear from Sean about exactly the ASRM members who spoke and their titles and how to contact them and exactly what they do. But it's, it's been a really fun experience as well as an empowering experience. And I think everybody should know these three. Well, thanks, Serena. And thanks for the opportunity to, to put that event on yesterday. I think it was important. One of the things that we really want to emphasize is that, yeah, you've got a team. If you're an ASR member, you have a team of us who your dues are paying to look out for your interest in Washington, D.C. and in the state capitals. And that literally is our job. And so we are there to, to serve you and to help you in your advocacy we can't do advocacy for the organization and the field without all our members. And so one of the things we were really trying to accomplish yesterday was to help people feel more comfortable. I think since the Dobbs decision, there's been a lot more awareness of the importance of advocacy in the field, but people are not sure what they can do or what they should do. And so we really are trying to help them understand how they can take some control back and the vital role that professionals in the field have to play as policymakers are making decisions on these things. Dr. Crawford and I get that that question all the time from people all over the country. What is happening with healthcare? What do I do about Dobbs? I'm in a a state that doesn't regulate, but I want to help, or I'm freaking out about what might happen in my state. Where can I get more information and how can I help? But I have no time. And I think 
we really showed in this workshop, and I hope everybody will realize, everybody at this meeting, everybody that's part of ASRM, everybody that's listening to this podcast is actually already an expert advocate. So you already know much more about how to advise people on crafting legislation that does not criminalize healthcare and how to provide access and the barriers our patient, patients face in accessing care. We already know just by way of being in the industry, being a healthcare provider or in the industry or a geneticist or embryologist or a patient advocate, we already know so much more than probably all of Congress, all of the state legislators, and yet they are regulating what we do. And that's why we need to get involved. Is it a question then of misinformation or is it just channels of information, like how people access information that uh, I seems think, to be problematic? Yeah, I think one of the things that we tried to emphasize yesterday was, like, so how do you get informed and stay informed? And, you know, the first thing I would say is open your emails from ASRM because we'll, we'll tell you some stuff. And monitor... <laughs> the social media channels of, of ASRM and DFF and Resolve and, and other organizations. Uh, the other thing for professionals is any organization you're paying dues to should have an advocacy component and you should be able to access it. And so to, to really be fully informed, you know, we're, we're going to emphasize different things than ACOG or AUA will. And so you'll, you'll get a, a fuller information portfolio if you if you do that. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is, like I said, we have three, we have a team in Washington, D.C. We are happy to take your questions. So email us or call us anytime. If you hear something, if you don't understand something, if you want to do something, and we will reach out very specifically. And some of the examples that we gave at the workshop yesterday were people, they were facing a, a specific issue and we needed specific help either in a state or on a specific issue. And so we, we will reach out, and, you, and we really hope that you'll respond when we ask you to, to do something. I think there were two points that were really important yesterday when it comes to professionals getting involved. One is that just because ASRM has an advocacy team, they alone cannot do the work. The voice of the professional experts in this field is really essential for them to mm -hmm. do their job effectively. Because I hear from people all the time, well, ASRM has an entire team for that. My one little voice isn't going to matter. And we heard that over, over and over yesterday, how the individual voice matters. And you don't, you don't have to be a physician, but there was an emphasis on physicians yesterday because Barb Kalora brought up a very important point where, you know, large groups of patient advocates from Resolve were going to the Hill and advocating and the Congress people and the staffers were like, we need to hear from the physicians. Mm -hmm. So, and physicians tend to shy away from advocacy. That's something we've struggled with, mm -hmm. I think, for a long time because people feel like they're too busy. But we're here to say, you know, it can be fun, it can be empowering, and it does not take a lot of time. You really can stay in your lane. All we need is for you to continue to do what you do, be a doctor. When it comes to advocacy, the barriers essentially that the experts in this field and professionals put in place on themselves, feeling like their voice is one, not important, mm -hmm. two, that they're not qualified to do this, and three, one thing we also heard as a big theme is that I'm supposed to be apolitical. Becoming involved with politics mm -hmm. will negatively impact my patient or my practice. And we heard many speakers, and I know I can professionally speak to this and so can Serena, your patients are so grateful that you are willing to advocate for them. And by doing that, you are helping them eventually 
hopefully receive the care that they need. And that's not a negative thing. It's extremely positive to them. Well, ASRM and Doctors for Fertility, and this is why we called ourselves Doctors for Fertility, not that you have to be a fertility doctor, but fertility doctors have a superpower of being able to reach across party lines and be able to say, we help make families, we help preserve fertility, and everybody that is interested in healthcare to promote a healthy family is on our side. So it is a bipartisan way to approach protecting healthcare. And obviously, AS, everybody at ASRM is involved in the business of preserving fertility mm-hmm. and promoting building families. So we have that superpower that we can leverage for these conversations because these conversations, especially about Dobbs, can be extremely divisive. And so people don't feel safe talking about it, but we've crafted a short essential training that we would love to give to anybody. Mm. You know, I've been giving it to pharma marketing groups because they're nervous about talking about things. I've been getting it, giving the talk at uh, Grand Rounds. We can just train people to safely frame the conversation. And Sean can tell you with framing this conversation to make it about safe and effective healthcare and to make it about protecting healthcare and saying that it affects everyone to criminalize healthcare Mm. and affects everyone to legislate malpractice, not just OBGYNs, not just fertility doctors, is a very effective way to get people's attention and to take to help people on both sides of the aisle and regardless of your feelings about abortion, to understand why these laws don't make any sense for our healthcare system, regardless of what you believe. So we we know we were able to protect abortion rights in Kansas. Mm-hmm talking about things like healthcare autonomy mm-hmm. and safety and families and medical care and protecting doctors' ability to do their jobs. So that's the kind of messaging we would like everybody to be armed with. And, you know, so contacting ASRM, joining the DFF social media channels, joining the email list, we're happy to train anybody to be effective. And it's, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's funny, you know, the, what's this, one of the stereotypes about politicians is, them going to crowds and kissing babies, right? Yeah. So, yes. so you, we're in the business of giving them babies to the kiss. The babies yeah. to kiss. Exactly. Right? And so uh, e- even, you know, clinics who do for marketing stuff, do like their baby, their patient reunions with babies, invite your state legislators to that. Oh, that's brilliant. Right? It's like they're going to, they will see then, you know, oh, these people aren't just weird man scientists doing things. They're actually making babies, <laughs> helping these families. Sean, what do you say to the person who says, well, I live in a blue state or a safe state. Yeah. This fight or this advocacy doesn't really apply to me. Well, I think it's important to understand that at this point, there is not a constitutional right to make your own reproductive decisions. And that is true throughout the country. And it's not just, you might live, I live in Maryland, for example. The Maryland state legislature is not going to pass something, but there are uh, very conservative sections on the eastern shore and the western mountains where, where there are, we're seeing cities trying to say we're not going to allow abortion clinics in our, within the city limits. So no. I think there's no such thing as a safe space. Uh, I think you've got a role to play everywhere. And, you know, people move around in this country. So uh, you need to engage with everybody, your neighbors, your Trumpy uncle, your colleagues in dermatology. All those people need to understand why it is that a fertility doctor who doesn't provide abortion care worries so much about Dobbs and these abortion restrictions. Because that connection is challenging for some people. And it's incredibly important that they understand 
the risks are not going to stop at abortion restrictions. Yeah, we have collateral damage like threats to mifepristone. Uh, and you look at like ha- things happening in Texas, rheumatology patients not being able to access methotrexate. It really does impact everyone. I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about the issue. And that's what was so cool about this workshop is that um, I think we were able to show people that you have a lot of support and there are ways to talk about this, that just staying in your lane and talking about healthcare makes it safe and you are already an expert. But we didn't just talk about Dobbs yesterday because we have an issue in this country of access where so many people, well over 50% of the population of this country doesn't have access to fertility care uh, that they really need and bias uh, for against people depending on sexual orientation, gender identity. So there's, there, we, ha- we still, so many people still don't have access. And I think we heard some really inspiring stories, physicians who have full-time jobs and yet took some time out to work with ASRM and actually were able to move the needle. For our listeners who might not know, of course, who might not have been in attendance this year, can you talk a little bit about Doctors for Fertility Foundation? Doctors for Fertility is an organization that was started when the leak happened with the Dobbs decision. Mm-hmm. So essentially, fertility doctors from different states and different levels of likely imposing restriction came together saying, we know that this is going to impact our patients, that this impacts health care. People who are gunning to have you know complete abortion bans are also then wanting to come after IVF care, embryo disposition, They're wanting to come after contraception rights, and nobody's hiding that fact. Mm -hmm. So the idea was, as Dr. Chen said earlier, to potentially be the bridge, because we know that groups that exist, such as Planned Parenthood, for example, do amazing work, Mm -hmm. but people sometimes have a negative connotation. They even have a hard time getting in the door since they provide abortion care. Mm -hmm. And as Shauna said, fertility doctors, the fertility community, we provide life. We're on the other end of the spectrum. So if we are engaging in this argument, if we feel strong enough to say no abortion ban is appropriate, because in all of these states, legislators are approaching the fertility doctors who are being loud and saying, well, what about an IVF carve out? What if I pass a bill and say abortions are okay, but IVF won't be impacted and embryos won't be impacted? And our firm stance is that no ban is appropriate because Politicians should not be making healthcare decisions mm-hmm. that can have extreme consequences, as Dr. Chen said, legislating medical malpractice. And that is such a crazy way to think about it. But we definitely have, I live in Texas, mm-hmm. and I have patients who are a part of a large lawsuit suing the state because they have had terrible complications because of the lack of timely access to appropriate medical care. They've developed things like Asherman syndrome, where their uterus is scarred because of an infection from preterm rupture of membranes where physicians were not allowed to act while a pre-viable fetus had a heartbeat. And they got very infected, septic, almost died. Now they can't carry a baby. So we are seeing these downstream consequences by politicians sitting in a room with words that have meanings that they do not understand. We all know, right, fertilization, implantation, these are very defined times. And so when they are walking back, when does life begin, and they pick a word that sounds good to them, that has huge consequences. So Doctors for Fertility existed to say, hey, let's try to be the bridge. 
and we obviously we work really closely with ASRM because they have so much expertise and we work closely with Resolve, but trying to really engage the professional to say, you can do this, your voice is important, you don't need to be afraid to speak up, you need to realize that this impacts you. No matter what state you live in, these restrictions are going to impact you and try to start making them feel empowered to become a part of the conversation because being silent, saying, oh, I'm a doctor, so politics are not my lane, is really what has led to this mm -hmm. because we allowed the other side of the argument to become the only voice that is speaking. And just like we see with medical misinformation on the internet, if you only hear one side of the conversation, it becomes the new truth. So we are now late and we're trying to catch up, but one of the main goals of DFF is education. So educating both providers and how can you have the skills you need and then take that education to politicians so that they can understand why we care about this and what we're doing about this. So DFF has actually multiple arms. There's a C3 arm, a C4, and a PAC arm. So one thing that is different as opposed to ASRM is that PAC arm when it comes to the ability to talk about candidates and provide candidate support, which we also think essentially getting the right people in office is essential to really get the outcome that we want. We do think that supporting both ASRM and Resolve and Doctors for Fertility, we're all addressing different aspects, even though we're all working together. Sean? Well, and politics is additive, yeah. or at least policymaking, if you want to get yes. it done, yeah. is additive. So you're kind of seeing, if you look at what's been happening you know, in the, in the House of Representatives, if you want to be subtractive, you can stop a lot of things, but you can't get anything done. Mm. And so we are real big on, and, and ASRM... That's a great point. Right. I mean, say that again, because I don't think people think about it that way. So, so, so in order to get stuff done, you can't do it on your own, right? Politics is an additive discipline. It's a relationship-based discipline, and you need to have involvement from as many places as possible. And one of the things we certainly have learned in the States is you have to get creative in your coalition partners. Um, and so, it's, you know, yeah, we, we take the same stand most of the time as Planned Parenthood and ACLU. We don't necessarily hang out in public with them. Um, and they're okay with that. This is not a diss on them. It's it is, a, cal it's it a is, calculated it is, move. It is yeah, tactical. It's practical. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when I'm talking to the Alabama Medical Society, they're like, uh, if you're going to talk to them, don't let that be seen. <laughs> you, know, you know, talk to us. So you hang out with, so you need state medical societies. You need other specialties. You need patient groups uh, for different kinds of conditions. So it's not just infertility patients group groups, it's PCOS, it's it's fibroids, it's all those kind of conditions. Endometriosis. Endometriosis, all those things. So it really is, uh, I fundamentally believe politics is an additive business and the way to get stuff done is to bring more and more people along with you. And I think a big point that you made yesterday is that we, we all are in the advocacy space that have done it are actually very optimistic mm -hmm. and energized by this process, but it is incremental. I think Natalie told us a, a great story yesterday about, you know, Texas, where everybody's upset about what's going on in Texas, lots of headlines, and yet... Texas just passed fertility preservation for yeah. cancer patients, which mm -hmm. five years ago, when I was at the Capitol trying to advocate for this, was told to my face, no way in hell, this is not a Texas priority. Yeah. And Sean likes to say that takes a long time to gestate, right? <laughs> and that's the truth though, the persistence and you have to start building bridges and start the scaffolding of making people realize what's your low hanging fruit and then you can build off of 
well, if fertility preservations, now we can all agree it's, it's good for people who have cancer. Mm-hmm. What about people who have genetic syndromes? What about the fertility population at large? We know ASRM just changed the definition of infertility. Yes. And that alone is a move to say this is a disease impacting many people who all deserve equal care and coverage. I know, Serena, you practice in New Jersey, so you know from a fertility mandate doesn't always equal it you does get care. Not. So we, in New Jersey, we only cover the physical disease. We don't cover the other two options, the condition or state, you know, so we are still biased based upon sexual orientation or partner status. We still have an issue in New Jersey, even though we're one of the most liberal states, and we are working on that. And it has been an incremental process, but it's getting better every year. So it does require work every year. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is for people in the fertility space, and I think especially healthcare providers, it can be so much fun. This is like a great way to use the knowledge and experience that you've gained from all the training and work that you do in an incredibly empowering way. So when after a whole day of seeing patients and the billing and, you know, and, you know, the insurance companies, this is a way to take back your own power and autonomy, which I think a lot of physicians need these days. So we we were able, I hope, to show people that this is not just good for the field. It's not just good for patients. It's good for ourselves, too. This is self-care in a lot of ways. And we do, I think, have a lot of positive and really concrete examples how of how getting involved in advocacy, whether it be with one patient, you know, advocating against the insurance company or talking in front of a big group of legislators, it can be really empowering in a way for physicians to take back control over their own professional lives. And and let's be clear, times are scary. There have been some disturbing legislative and judicial developments. On the other hand, we can point to some really real-to-life true successes, right? To date, since Dobbs has passed, we have fended off in state after state, efforts to go after IVF and to and to codify the Huge. status of embryos. So yeah. at this point, nobody's had to change how they practice IVF because in the wake of the Dobbs decision. Now, uh, there have been some terrible abortion restrictions that have passed. That has been true. But and then on the access front, I mean, really, it was almost ten years ago as ASRM was heading into a strategic planning process, and we interviewed members. And one of the things that came out loud and clear was. We are frustrated because we, our patients cannot get to us hmm. and can't afford the care that we can provide. And the ASRM board said, this is something we should try to tackle. Uh, and we had a big summit in Washington and produced a white paper and came up with a plan. And eight years later, we have passed the legislation in a number of states to the tune of we're somewhere between 35 and 40 million people who now have access to, inf- to insurance coverage for their infertility problems. Yes, and we've also developed programs, right? Resolve has a program like Coverage at Work. So it's attacking it not from multiple different levels. Like on the one hand, talking to the insurance company about the new definition of infertility for this one patient, getting her access to her benefits. On the other hand, saying changing legislation, but at the same time giving people the tools and the voice and the messaging to be able to 
really advocate with the HR departments. And we are seeing responses to these programs. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. All these tools and uh, ways to talk and strategies are actually already developed by people who have already done it. So we really want people to know about the tremendous resources that can make a huge difference for them. And, and we do try to be careful with the organizational resources. So speaking of not reinventing the wheel, we didn't develop our own program to talk to employers. We helped Resolve pay for theirs because it was already in place and already successful. Yeah. So it's like, why come up? Why duplicate something that's already working? We can just help them have the resources to do more and better. The power of collaboration. Yes. Sean, one question that I hear a lot is, why doesn't ASRM pursue legislation in every state? And I know you have a reason it's very tactical, but I think it's important for people to hear this. Well, I mean, we have finite resources is the real answer. And so, you know, we, uh, I live in Maryland. Maryland has the best reproductive policies in the country. We're still going to see abortion restriction and IVF restriction bills introduced in Maryland. ASRM is not going to spend any time or resources fighting those bills because we know they're not going to go anywhere. And the flip side can be even more dangerous. And so you get patients in conservative states who want to start chasing a mandate. And the challenge is that can become very dangerous because if the legislator's not been thinking about this stuff, suddenly they're going to think about it. And we have seen in more than one state where these things very quickly head in a bad direction and they start being very restrictive. So there was a state where I think we probably could have passed a mandate. That mandate literally would have been limited to straight married women. And so you can't start down this road unless you know you can put out the fires and and, and we, just, we, we can't be that. everywhere. So you have to be smart about where you're actually gonna be doing things. I think that's a great point because often you see one side of the argument, but you guys have so many resources and you're so knowledgeable because this is your job to understand the policies that are in play, what is out there, and to a listener who is in a state, let's say you're in Maryland and you hear about this, you can reach out to, to you, to ASRM, and say, Absolutely. hey, what does this mean? Do I need to be worried? Yeah. And versus feeling like you need to go and fight this, you might feel encouraged by, okay, ASRM has done the research, they know, I don't need to be worried about this at this point. But I think even yesterday, Dr. Gustin, when she gave her story about Nebraska, one thing that it's very inspiring how they've galvanized patients and physicians together. They've definitely protected some rights to reproductive care. But at the end, you hear how they tack on an amendment to another bill. Mm -hmm. And in some way, it's almost like some people now, once you impose the idea that there's boundaries with fertility care, to Sean's point, it can go the other way. So you have to know you have supporters, favorable people who are going to help this go in the right direction when it comes to fertility mandates. This is why you have to be in the game, yeah. right? The, one, one of my favorite old hacked political sayings is if you are not at the table, you're going to be on the menu. Um, <laughs> I love that. Right. So, so That's so, so true. So you got to be in the game. And, you know, and, and we see this again and again. So, so Kentucky looked like they were going to have, like they had a coalition of some moderate Republicans who were uncomfortable with the extreme anti-trans legislation they were going to pass. But at the last minute, the end of the legislative day, they got leaned on very, very hard by their party leadership and other folks, and there, weren't enough, there wasn't enough counter pressure, and they caved to the point where I was talking to the lobbyists for the mental health people in Kentucky who said that three of the senators literally walked by them in the hallway ducking their heads. Oh, my gosh. Because oh they gosh. were unwilling to face up to, these, wow. to, to the reality that they had what they just flipped. done. They yeah. had flipped on these on the mental health professionals and they didn't even have a carve out to allow mental health counseling for, 
for people going oh through gender or issues. So, well, anyway. It, it, it brings up an interesting point, though, is you're saying you need to get in the game, right? And we're discussing this issue that a lot of people maybe feel overwhelmed or they've remained apolitical for so long they don't, they don't know how to get into the game. What are some small steps? I mean, that oh, people small. Let me, well, first let me start all. with this first because okay. I, yeah. what I want to say is this is why I'm happy to see Doctors for Fertility come into existence, right? I mean, ASRM, does, we, I, I like to think we do pretty good advocacy work, right? And, and we do what we can to try to um, mobilize our members. We always need more help with that. And I think the very targeted mission of DFF of we are, this is important and we're going to make this easy for you is a big asset to the field because it's not nearly as hard as people like to think it is. Doctors don't like not being the smartest. It's okay, you're still gonna be the smartest. Just maybe need a little help on this little part and we're gonna give you that help. Here's your talking point, right? right? You have a whole support team at your back. The handlers, the political and legislative and lobby, lobbying and strategy handlers. So it's, it's wonderful, it's really, been a wonderful collaboration. I think we're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot more. Um, we we have seen the power of social media. That's another thing that mm-hmm. this group brings to the table. ASRM is trying on social media, but but we we happen to have like a very large organic following for um, people like Natalie Crawford, Ruhi Jalani, mm-hmm. uh, Laura Shaheen, who built up a huge following of people just because they're talking about fertility. And they are putting their expertise out there. And we are leveraging that to be able to reach people. And we're getting feedback from all over the country, not just from doctors, from from patients, people from all over the sector saying, well, how can I help? And we do want people to consider becoming a member of DFF. We want everybody to follow the social media channels. We try to promote each other on social media. ASRM tries to put out alerts when they need help. You know, like I think Ohio is coming up, so everybody should look out for those posts. We will be reposting that. And just because you don't live in Ohio doesn't mean you can't get the word out about what's happening in Ohio, that we want to protect reproductive rights in Ohio with the upcoming legislation vote that's coming up in November. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of easy things that people can do, like just joining an email list, writing a a check. But, you know, we're happy to come speak. We'd love to give this super short, easy training to every single doctor across the country. So please, you know, message us on Instagram or just, you know, reach out to Sean and he can put us in touch so, because we think everybody can become an advocacy expert, honestly, in a very short period of time, because you already have the hard part done. ASRM wants your help. Sean and Sarah and Jesse made this very clear, but ASRM has so many members, and they don't know who is willing to partake, who wants to do this, and what you're passionate about. So, part of joining DFF, we know where people are, live and can help with ASRM. ASRM also has said that if you, maybe there's an email, because I know we made a QR code, Sean, but if you tell them, hey, I'm Dr. Crawford, I'm in Austin, Texas, I'm very passionate about reproductive rights, I'm here to help, Mm -hmm. they then know, I need somebody to talk to a legislator in Texas, let me call Natalie and see if she's available. Because just making that one email, getting on that one newsletter, is really the first step, and following the social so you see what is going on. Because the ask from 
ASRM, and this was very important that was brought up yesterday, mm-hmm. isn't this huge ask? You don't need to give up all of your time. You don't need to go do this big research project. They're going to present it in a way for you to be successful. Here is what we need when we need it. Here's what we know. But we need the expert who's passionate about this to be able to explain why this is relevant to you and to our field. But you have got to take the first step and make yourself known as a person who will advocate for us and for our field. And we're trying to to offer more and more opportunities and have more things to try. So you can kind of stick your toe in. Exactly. And you'll be like, oh, you know what? That water's not as cold as I thought. So... <laughs> You know, so at the at the Congress this year in New Orleans, we did the workshop, the advocacy training workshop with DFF. Uh, we did a day of advocacy is everywhere kind of action stations throughout the convention center. And then the next big opportunity is going to be uh, Resolve and ASRM's Advocacy Day, which is... May 14th. Thank you, Serena. <laughs> Serena knows I have a frontal lobe here, so I can't remember dates. Um, uh, and that's real easy to participate in and, and very valuable to participate It's virtual. In. It's virtual. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people ask, you know, I can only be there in the morning or I can only be there in the afternoon. It's, uh, we, just, we just need to coordinate. It's a, they have an incredible organizational platform where, you know, if you, if, even if you can't be there all day on Zoom, there's something you can do. It, your voice really makes a difference. And the other thing we rolled out, or at least announced at the meeting this year was the our Center for Policy and Leadership is now turning to the leadership component of its name and has developed and will offer for the first time an advocacy and leadership training called PRIMED, which I forget what the acronym stands for. It's something, something catchy. <laughs> so it's, it, it is designed, it's going to be, I think, an eight-week program. Seven of the weeks will be virtual, and then one week you'll come to Washington, D.C. The applications will be available uh, on the ASRM website on November 1st. So how much before. time commitment for the virtual? The sessions will be a couple hours a week, and then, there, then there's going to be reading and stuff to do. So it's kind of designed like a class. Okay. And so we are bringing in speakers from a variety of places around D.C., so, you know, some Hill staff, some some former Hill staff who might give you a more candid view of, of how things get done. So you get an People inside look. Other groups, so you're going to get an inside look, be expected to participate in Advocacy Day. But this, So it's just, it's like an eight-week program. I think it's going to be limited to like 12 people, and we Is hope it's going to grow from them. It's, or it's ASRM members, but not just physicians. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really wonderful. It was really compelling to hear Ginny Ryan talk about her experience in improving access for veterans to IVF, and she she did talk about how, you know, ASRM gave her the talking point. She just had to provide the expertise, but they were like, this is who you're talking to, this is how you're framing it, um, this is where you're going, this is, you know, all of those kinds of things. So it really, they do really just need you to be yourself, and whether that's a doctor or an embryologist or a mental health professional, you know, we, we do need everybody in the space to be speaking about what's important to them and their patients. Mm. Yeah, because leadership comes in many forms. It really does. Yes. It really does. Everything that we're discussing today, we're going to put up links in our show notes for everyone awesome. so that they can just scroll down and click on it and find more information. Uh, are there any other talking points today that we wish to cover? I like to remind people they are fortunate enough still to live in the United States of America where we have a constitution that includes the Bill of Rights, which includes the First Amendment, which gets all the press for being freedom of the press and freedom of religion and freedom of assembly. But it also includes freedom to petition your government for redress of grievances. Mm. And if you are an infertility patient 
or a reproductive medical professional, you by God have some grievances at this point. We sure do. So go exercise your First Amendment right and talk to your policymakers. Yeah. I cannot emphasize enough that it is really accessible. We're here. Doctors for Fertility, ASRM, Resolve, we're here to make it easy for everybody. I think the last thing to say is that the Mm -hmm. most basic element of advocacy is voting. You yourself Mm -hmm. voting, encouraging people who are around you to vote, have conversations about who you're voting for and why it's important to you, even with people in your life who might be difficult. But then think about our field. If you're a physician and you have a practice, give your staff time to go vote. Encourage Mm -hmm. it. Don't make it harder for the people in your world. So by voting, talking about voting, giving those around us space and time to vote, that is the really essential and the basic element of advocacy. And that really is step one, because so many people in our field, it's crazy, are physicians, and they themselves say, oh, I don't vote. I'm not political. And we've seen more than ever that our field is political, but regardless, we need to participate in the government. Otherwise, and then mm-hmm. what right do you have to complain about it if you're not... You can't unilaterally disarm. It's, it's right. very the interesting other- that the data on, um, on reproductive rights is that the more people that vote, the more reproductive rights are protected. And so you're not going against the grain. You're just going against the few loud, crazy voices. And if the silent majority does not speak up, um, then we are giving in to a very fringe minority. And we, can't, we cannot let that happen to ourselves or our patients. Agreed. Agreed. My guests today have been Serena Chin, uh, Natalie Crawford, Sean Tipton. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jeff. And you can get in touch with us by emailing me, uh, asrm at asrm.org. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.